Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. Thank you for joining us today as we conclude our Oh My Soul series. It's been great to hear you singing and worshiping um, from that inner person we've been talking about in this series. Uh, nefesh is what the Hebrew refers to it as, our, our inner being. And, uh, and we've been talking about this, and we've talked about this not on this big, uh, necessarily this doctrinal like trichotomy, dichotomy, things like We're just talking about that person that we sometimes talk to ourselves and sometimes we talk even out loud to, but the, the real us, if you will, um, our, our soul. And we've been looking at the ways it's referenced in scripture and we've been kind of talking about different aspects of our soul under the umbrella question of how is your soul? How are you doing? You know, we're good at answering the questions on how we're feeling or, or how our body is feeling, how are you doing? And we are so quick to sometimes come up with ideas that we're gonna do with our bodies in the new year. But, but what about our spiritual lives? That inner person that we know needs to grow. And, and that's what we've been focused on in this series. How is your soul? Now, now I love picture illustrations. I'm, uh, uh, I, I think better in pictures. So I'm gonna ask the question, how is your soul in comparison to this picture right here? Would you say that you are a soul on fire? We sang the song in the beginning. It was a very popular song uh, for many years. Soul on fire. God, I'm running for your heart. I'm coming for you because I want to be a soul on fire. Can you remember a time that you were maybe described as, as on fire for God? Are you currently in a season where you're just like, I can't get enough. I am a soul on fire. When I think of fire, it's an easy illustration for me because we're around fire a lot. But I can think of a time, especially when I was back in youth group here at this church. I, I was born and raised in this church. And, and uh, I remember one night, our youth pastor asked me and a couple other teens to start a bonfire while he finished up. Now, this was back before permission slips and things like that. And, uh, and, and, and so we went up the hill to start a bonfire. Now, my idea of a bonfire was a little bit larger than my youth pastor's idea of a bonfire. But we wanted this thing to be so wonderful for Jesus, of course, that, that, that maybe it would draw the attention of even Perkinsy. You know what I mean? I mean, the fire company's gonna enjoy our fire. I mean, we, we wanted to build a fire. And, and in order to get a fire going, my 15, 16 year old mind thought the best thing to do is to go into the shed up here at church where the tractor is and to get the gasoline can. Not a good idea? Kids, if you're watching, it's not a good idea. Just, but I got the can and I walked out. You know, the big yellow hose is on the front and I walked up to the fire and I noticed a few people were scurrying. They must have more experience around fire. But, but I, I went and I poured it onto the fire and boom, it, it, it did exactly what I wanted to do. But see, what happened is the nozzle of my gas tank caught on fire. And so it was flaming and I looked at it and I don't remember having any fear, I think, because I'm stupid, okay? But... um. But I, I looked at it and I, and I went and blew it out while I was watching a couple of my buddies like running back 
like, man, you could have blown yourself up. I would have been a soul. <laughs> you know, there are times in our lives where we definitely feel like we're on fire, but if you've lived the Christian life long enough, you know that there's things that can come along in life that kind of can quench or douse the fire, hurt, wounds, prayer that you're not sure where the answer was, a loss of someone you love, uh, hurtful words, uh, lack of trust in leadership or whatever in a religious environment or wherever. There's a lot of things that can, can quench or, or douse your fire for God. And, and have you ever longed to get it back? Oh man, I, I want that back. I remember one night, a missionary was visiting our church. We're out in the front building that you drive into or drive past when you come in. And we were down in the basement there and one of the missionaries began to pray. And I remember thinking, six years into ministry, I'm, I'm in my young 30s, I'm the youth pastor here at this church and I'm listening to this guy pray and I go, I wish I had that fire that I had when I went into ministry coming out of college. I wish I had it. Six years in. Oh, and I was doing all the right things. I was in church. Obviously, I, I accepted the call to pastoral ministry. Our youth ministry was growing. I was involved in the children's ministry. That was exciting. There were things going on. People were getting saved, but something was wrong inside of me and I just knew it, but I didn't know how to pinpoint it, but I could tell the blaze had definitely kindled down. You see, what do you mean? You were giving out devotions and I was. You were speaking about God and I was, and I was excited about it, but something was still off. Can we be this transparent in church? I sat in the pew, I sang the songs, but something was off and I knew it. My soul wasn't on fire like it had been. And I remember thinking, what, what do I do with this? Well, scripture gives some clues as to what to do when you feel like your soul needs some rekindling. It says this in Psalm 19. Do you know the verse? It says this, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the, wait a minute, the law of the Lord? Should I read the 10 commandments? Okay, I had to realize that David is referring to what he knew of scripture at that point. And he says, the law of the Lord, it's perfect. It is able to restore my soul. Did you know many of you might have more than one copy of a thing that could help restore your soul? This, this can help restore my soul? It can. In fact, it's perfect. It restores the soul. And so what I did that night, I went home from church and I went up into my house and, and uh, I got my Bible out. It was late at night. Kids had gone to bed. Um, and I just started reading. And I said, here's the deal, God. I'm not gonna stop reading until you use this thing to kindle up this soul in me. Because I'm starting to feel like I'm serving out of compulsion a little bit. I'm starting to feel like I'm serving from an empty tank. I'm starting to feel exhausted. I'm starting to feel a little worn out. Kids were young. 
our family, everything. And I'm just feeling a little bit fried in ministry. And God, I, I don't want to feel this way. What's going on? And see, see, when you're a pastor, you know, when you're, when you're a Christian, you, you, can, you can have these spiritual dry spells sometimes and they seem to drag out. That's really not good for a ministry. You have an accountability. You go, stay close. Keep that soul on fire for God. And I'm like, God, I want to be that for you. And for the first time in my life, I'm feeling exhausted. It was really painful what that person said. And it was really hurtful what happened there last year. And this is really bothering me in my prayer life. And this is going on in our family. And this is here. And this stuff is wearing me out. I'm doing all this stuff, but I'm feeling worn out. And I just started reading and reading and reading. I said, I'm not putting it down. I went to Psalms. I knew David would understand. And so I just kept going and going. I'm reading and reading. Nope, nope. And, and I have this. I have this written down. I was showing it to one of our pastors this week. I said, look at this. It was 2.45 a.m. I wrote down where I found the verse that satisfied my soul. I shut it and I went to bed. And I'll tell you what, I didn't heal overnight, but I knew what to do to restore this soul that had grown weary. And it was when I came across a chapter in the book of Psalms. And you'll see, it took me a little while. It wasn't Psalm 1. It wasn't Psalm 2, 3, 4, 5, or 6. It was Psalm 63. Jeez, Chris, you were fried out. Yes! I went by Psalm 23. Nope. You went by Psalm 23, greatest Psalm of all time. No. Yep, bye. Something, I needed something. Psalm 51, terrifying, but bye. I'm going on. Psalm 63, I stopped, I went, there it is. One commentator says, one of the most beautiful and touching Psalms of the whole Psalter. You sound smarter when you say words like Psalter, Psalter. So what does it say? What does Psalm 63 say? What caught your attention that night? It was just one line out of this Psalm. It caught a young dad, a young pastor, a young husband in his tracks and said, that's what it'll take to be a soul on fire. Heavenly Father, use Psalm 63 today to rekindle anew the flame in anyone's hearts who maybe even have stumbled into this place knowing this is the right thing to do. This is the right place to be this morning. But even still, in that, in that attitude of worship, there's something wrong and they know it. Would you speak to that spot today, God? We all wanna be on fire for you. We all wanna have souls on fire. Lord, show us the places that quench it and show us the places that build it and grow it and strengthen it in your name, amen. I wanna point out five things in Psalm 63 that a soul on fire does, okay? And, and, and you can take these, you can note these, you can do whatever you want with them, but this is what the soul on fire looks like. This isn't what like, most Christians, this isn't gonna be a sermon for everybody, I understand that. This is a sermon, not necessarily for the apathetic heart. This isn't a sermon necessarily for like, yeah, God's cool, can I go do my thing? This is someone who goes, I want a close relationship with the God of the universe and I believe he offers it to me, so I'm coming for it. That's what this is for. 
And so there might only be 10 of you that are actually listening to me this morning, but there may be a few more that go, I'm in, I wanna deal with this, I wanna know. Here's what he says. It's David and he's writing, oh God, you're my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. I don't, I don't thirst for water. I don't thirst for coffee. I don't thirst for your favorite color of iced tea. I thirst for God. God, you're not, not my dad's God, teenager, not dad's God, not, not mom's God, college student, not, not a professor's God or somebody else's God. God, you are whose? Mine. When you get to a point in your Christian life where you realize you have a one-on-one personal relationship with the God of the universe, you want to know him better. Unless you have that, there's this, yeah, mom, dad would want me to. I've never really had that deep of faith. I was always kind of interested in Christian things. I like Christian culture for the most part. When you go, whoa, 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 whoa. God wants to know Chris and Chris can know God. Earnestly. I seek you. Yeah, I know what earnesty is. Well, well maybe you don't, but, but I'll, I'll help you out. This isn't an earnestly like, God, I'm, I'm coming. I'll keep trying this year. No, no. This is a similar earnest to um, if you've lost your three-year-old child in an airport. I can't go through this next moment if I don't find them earnest. This is an earnestness that the young person feels when they can't find their phone and they have to go out the door, right? Like, I've got to find this thing. We pick on young people. Adults, you're just as chained as they are, okay? I gotta have, I, I need to find it. I can't, I can't drive out of this house earnestly, earnestly. That's the idea here. So you're going, oh, well, David must've been on some super spiritual retreat. I remember I went on a retreat one time. It was so great. And I just felt so close to God. So where was David? He continues and he tells us a little bit where he is. He says, I, I, I thirst for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. He's not on some spiritual retreat. He's in a dry and weary land. If you have a paper Bible or you're following along on your phone or something in an app, you'll see that this, this psalm is called a Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. The Judean wilderness is a, is a, is a difficult, horrible, tough, hot place. And he's going, my soul is earnestly seeking God. So I put the first thing a soul on fire does is it seeks God earnestly. And on top of that, some of you have translations where it says early. God, I seek you early, which that translation works there too. The idea is I'm not starting this day unless I seek God first. Not second, third, fourth, or fifth, or once I get in trouble around 11.30 a.m. I seek God first. Do you not have a soul on fire? Do you feel like the flame's really low? Can I ask you, when you wake up in the morning, do you follow the example of a soul on fire? Not, not really. Well, we have an example for us of someone who was on fire for God and they start the morning. I made a habit in my life only about two years ago, so I'm not gonna claim this longevity of this, okay? But about two years ago, I said, I'm not getting out of my bed until I pray. I am done waking up and walking into the world like a wall, okay? I'm gonna attack my morning with my heavenly father, and then I'm getting out of bed. And so I will wake up and go, 
Heavenly Father, here we are. We're doing another day. Even if it's the annoying alarm sound or the buzz going by me, God, I wanna talk to you first because I have learned, and this took me way too long, any men with me on this, that I desperately need God. I was getting pretty good at thinking I could do my life my way. But I was getting to a point, especially in my young ministry at that time in my season where I was reading Psalm 63, where I was doing my job in my strength. I was doing my, being a husband in my strength. I was, I was being a dad in my strength and my strength was wearing out. And I was learning, I need him first. A soul on fire starts the day with God. If your soul is not on fire, can I ask you, what do you start the day with? Is it an app? Is it a text? Is it a news feed? Is it Instagram? What do you start the day with? If you want your soul to be on fire, here's one that you can emulate. He says, so I have looked at you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. Because he, he's seen this, he continues and says, because your steadfast love is better than life. I mean, we'll do anything to preserve life, right? There'd be those of us in this room that if we knew we were dying, we would amputate a leg to stay alive. You're saying God's love, his steadfast love, his covenant love for me is better than even being alive. And because of that, I will praise you. A soul on fire praises God worshipfully. It's coming out of their mouth. They worship this God. They can't get enough of this God. They love to talk about it. It comes out of their lips. When you love something, you talk about it often. Rumor has it there's a big game next Sunday and there's people who love talking about it, right? Because it's something they can't get enough of. A soul on fire loves to talk about God. Do you ever talk about God? Do you ever speak about what God's done for you? Was that something you did and not so much anymore? A soul on fire loves to praise God vocally. It was Jeremiah who said, I got a fire in my bones and I gotta talk about him. Oh, so I will bless you as long as I live, he continues. And in your name, I'm gonna lift up my hands. He continues and says this, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Lord, I'm gonna bless you with my hands held high. It's a position of prayer. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. I am gonna get to a point where my soul goes, that's exactly what I I needed. The psalmist is basically saying 21st century, I was so full on God, I felt like I had just finished a meal at Shady Maples Morgansburg. <laughs> you know, when you go to a big smorgasbord, you make decisions earlier in the day to not eat. I'm gonna starve myself. I'm gonna walk in there. I'm just gonna do things. I know I probably shouldn't do, but I'm gonna love it. And then you start eating because you've already made the business decision. And you even get a little justification. 
we even spiritualize it a little bit. You've had two or three trips, but you say things like, you know, it would be poor stewardship for me not to go back again. I mean, we've spent a lot of money here. We should go get some more. And you finish and people do things at Smorgasborgs where we can hear them. It's, uh, oh, ah, whoo, shouldn't have done that. Hold on a minute. The psalmist says, my soul wants God and won't be satisfied until it feels like, oh, that's, that's good. And how does he get there? He prays, hands held high, gratefully. He has a grateful prayer life, not a selfish prayer life. God, give me this, God, give me this. He has a grateful prayer life. He feels he doesn't owe God anything. Have you ever prayed with hands held high? If you haven't yet, I wouldn't suggest you just start doing around people who know you. They'll be like, what happened to you? All right, maybe go in a room and try, but, but I will tell you one thing that will change your prayer life um, is, is to get on your knees and pray on your knees. This, this literally changes your prayer life. Have you ever had somebody come over to your house and you kind of wanted them to stay, but they leave their coat on and you say things like, hey, take your coat off, take your coat off. Do you know what kneeling does, I believe, with our heavenly father? Dear Holy Father, um, help me have a good day today and uh, help the kids to have a good time and um, like bless this food to our bodies, uh, amen. You gonna take your coat off? See, see, when we kneel, it's like, hey God, I'm, uh, I'm gonna be here a while. And look how I can kinetically say to God, I'm not going anywhere and I need you. You wanna change your prayer life and you wanna inspire your soul? The soul on fire prays with empty hands held high. An arrogant soul can't do that. Can't do it. I ain't doing that. Come up with all our justifications. I'm getting my knees. Because an arrogant soul can't do that. But a soul on fire can get on its knees and pray with empty hands held high because it's grateful for what God has done. It does not sit in the seat of judgment. It sits in the seat of gratitude. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate you and you and the watches of the night, for you have been my help. I, I, I put right in my notes, wow, that's very interesting. The soul on fire gets up in the morning with God and concludes the night with God. He meditates nightly. Now this meditate, we know, is to rehearse and say to oneself, to murmur, if you will, words about God and what you know about scripture. And he does it nightly. When I remember you on my bed, there is something incredibly powerful by ending your day. If your soul is to kindle and rekindle its fire for God, ending your day in meditation and thinking about the things of God or reading scripture is one of the most incredible things you can do. And, and forgive me for this, Holy Spirit, but when you get out a Bible and read it at night, you'll fall asleep. Is that really? I know I fall asleep on God. Sometimes I'm praying, I fall asleep. I think he loves it. I really do. Because your soul has found peace. 
You grab a paper Bible, you got a little flashlight. I only say that because a paper Bible doesn't have blue light, doesn't have 1800 advertisements, doesn't have text, doesn't have Snapchat, doesn't have anything. You just can focus on this. It will help you relax. Why? Because it's living and active. Not the paper Bible, that's just the thing, but it's less distraction and it gives you a chance. God's word, with any form it comes to you, even on your phone, and that's fine. That's how I do it. But it helps you relax because God's word is peaceful. When does the enemy love to attack you in anxiety? It's nighttime, isn't it? I like to give things to God, and so I journal at night. I'll type things out in my shared folder called cast all your cares. And I cast them all in God because scripture tells me he never slumbers in her sleep. So since he's staying up all night, you can worry about this, God, I'm going to bed. The psalmist models that for me. And there's one more. And in the shadow of your wings, he looks himself as a bird under a gigantic wing. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. Wait a minute, you're in the Judean wilderness. Hold on, the scholars in the room are going, wait a minute, isn't he in the Judean wilderness because Absalom might be chasing him? Absalom, his son, chasing him because his son wants to inherit his throne and possibly kill him. Isn't that what he's running from possibly here? I mean, this is not this life that's uh, great for God, but I mean, there are times where David did some very difficult things, yet he'll sing for joy even in all that adversity, not on some spiritual retreat. He chooses to sing even amongst his enemies. Yeah, soul on fire sings joyfully. Sings joyfully. I'm going to tell you something. There's something incredible healing about having a really horrible day at work, getting in your car, putting on a worship song and going, come on soul, we're going to sing. I have no reason to sing. I'm not happy. You ever work on a construction site and a job's got going well and guys are quiet, everything's good, and then finally somebody gets it and all of a sudden guys start singing and whistling. You ever do that? You're working on a hard job. You're working and you get, you're like, hey, what are we doing for lunch? Like there's just this joy that you got through it. There's something our soul likes to sing through difficulty. But the enemy will say those songs have nothing to do to encourage you. So I look at this and I go, Psalm 63, look at this. The soul on fire seeks God earnestly, seeks him first thing, praises worshipfully, constantly is talking about things that bring to mind God. They pray gratefully, they meditate nightfully, and they sing joyfully. But it was this verse that stopped me in my tracks. And I closed my Bible that night. I got to Psalm 63 and I read through that and I got to this. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. It was 2006. It was 2.45 a.m. when I shut the Bible. I was a father of a couple kids that were pretty little still at the time. And my wife would say, they're waiting at the door for you. Are you coming home? Yeah, I'm coming home. Does that mean you're actually coming home? Or are you thinking about coming home? Because they're at the door. I live right up here in this house. And I could see from this glass door up to the door and you could see them waiting. And so I would come out of the house and there's nothing more that pleases a father's heart 
unless you're exhausted, but there's nothing more to please your heart. As you're walking up the things and they come running down, okay? And the boy would jump onto this leg and the little girl would jump onto this leg. She was much lighter. This one, as he got older, learned if I punch daddy too, it hurts even more. We love little boys, don't we? And, and, and I would literally finish my walk to the house with them hanging on me. Dad, you ever do this? All right, come on. And you're walking like this and they're just doing every step with you. They'd sit on your shoe and you get to the door, you open the door. By the time I get to the kitchen, all right, guys, all right, all right. And you start tickling. But that image of cling was like Jesus saying to me, Chris, stop trying, stop doing, grab my leg, cling. Isn't it so reassuring to know that the Christian life isn't a to-do list? You gotta do this, and then you gotta do this, and then you gotta do this. Where Jesus goes, hey, hang on. What? Just hang on your soul will be so rekindled when you hang on. And that's the beauty of the abiding relationship. It lights a fire in the soul. And so I'm encouraging you, church, if you wanna see a change inside, cling, cling. Find ways to cling. Well, what are some ways? See, I'm not very good at abstract learning. I need concrete examples. That's why I love props because I remember the prop. And so I was praying, God, I need an illustration to talk about being a soul on fire. And I'm sitting in my house and I'm like, God, we're getting late in the week and I need an illustration. And I was, I was working on the fire and, the, and I was keeping it because I wanted it nice and warm this weekend. So I'm putting logs on. I'm need, you got to keep putting logs on. You can't put one log on and you're done. If you want to keep that thing nice and toasty, you got to keep putting more logs on. Sometimes you got to shake them, spin them at times. I've got some things where I can grab the log and spin it, get that flame going again. I got to keep working. There's got to be a keeper of the log. But I kept praying while I'm working on this thing. I need an illustration about our spiritual lives and how we can keep growing, God. I need an illustration. And it was like the Holy Spirit's going. I'm like, I need one, God. I know you'll be faithful. I know you'll be faithful, but I really could use an illustration where the church looks at it and they say, how's your soul the rest of the year? And he's like, Feel like the Holy Spirit. You see what I'm working with? Do you see what we're working with? Oh, a fire. And I was going to start a fire on stage, but I thought the facilities crew would frown on it. So, so for just illustration's sake, this year, this year, look at your spiritual life as if you want a bonfire, you're going to need to seek him earnestly. You're gonna to need to have this prayer life that wants to build a fire, flicker a flame. Now, I, I thought this would help because we at least get the visual here. If we're gonna have a fire going, close enough. I gotta keep that thing going. If I want it to get bigger, everybody in this room knows what to do. What, what? Seek him earnestly. It's like putting a log on. I gotta seek him earnestly. I can't, just, I can't just expect to grow. I've gotta want to grow. I've gotta seek God in his word. 
Pray him, praise worshipfully. Do I have worship as part of my life? Am I getting into corporate worship? Am I having worship come across my headphones? I mean, I gotta put these logs on this fire. It's not just gonna grow by me thinking about it and wanting it. I've gotta pray gratefully. Lord, is my prayer life getting too selfish? I need to have some grateful prayers. I need to be honest with you and and share that with you. I've gotta, at nighttime, Lord, you know my habits at night are some of the worst things I could do for my spiritual soul. And that's why I might be so fried that night. I'm going to change my routine. I'm going to put some logs on that fire. And it keeps growing and growing. And all of a sudden, before you know it, you're finding yourself singing joyfully and things are coming around because you've been working on that fire. Our soul needs it. Psalm 63. Psalm 63. It's so good for the weary soul because there's nothing like fatigue and going too hard and not taking time for God. There's nothing like fatigue that pour water on it. You know what else pours water on a soul's fire? Fear. Little kids, the enemy wants to scare everybody, including mom and dad. Psalm 23, woo, it's a psalm for the soul. I'd go to it, you need these to stoke the flame. How about if you ever struggle with guilt? There's nothing like impurity and lust that you're harboring and stuff that can pour water on a soul. Psalm 51 is awesome for the soul that feels guilty. Maybe you're struggling with with an anxious soul. Maybe you're anxious about the state of affairs or the government, whatever's going on. Psalm 46 is awesome for how to pray for your world, for leaders, for your soul that feels anxious. Because otherwise, anxiousness will pour on that soul. Uh, how, about, how about the soul that feels angry? I'm angry at God. Well, God wants us to come with that anger and talk to him about it. Because if we let it fester, it will pour water on the soul. Psalm 37 is an amazing psalm to pray if you're struggling with anger. Maybe your soul is struggling with rejection. Psalm 139 says, I'm beautifully made. Psalm 139 is one of the greatest psalms for those who struggle with abandonment wounds and rejection wounds. Because if you don't deal with them, it'll pour water on that fire. And maybe it's even this, maybe it's even an attack soul. Psalm 109 is awesome for a soul that feels like it's threatened or falsely accused and it's going through struggle. Psalm 109, because if you allow that to threaten, it'll pour water on that soul. And in even this one, Psalm 42 is great for the sorrowful soul that needs to get things right and and deal with it because they got sorrow and sorrow sometimes can threaten to to pour water on that soul. And even even one of my my go-to, Psalm 121, when you're overwhelmed. What an incredible verse for moms or dads or young parents that feel overwhelmed. Where do I get my help from? Because if I don't get my help from God, that could pour water on my soul. And and, and Psalm, Psalm 119 for the apathetic soul. I would encourage you to read it. It's an incredible psalm that can rekindle even the laziest soul in its spiritual life. I share those knowing that there's many things in this world that threaten the fire and the flame. So what we wanted to do as a church today to close out our series is to pray together. For in order to flourish, we need to nourish. And so we're gonna take some time here, the last 20, 25 minutes of our service. And I would encourage you, if you're a restless soul, 
to take a moment. We will spend hours in front of sports games. We'll spend hours at recreation. Can we give the Lord 20 minutes praying? Not just talking about prayer, but praying. And in order to do it, I was gonna bring out all the pastors and I'm gonna have them give reflections on some of the Psalms that we looked at. Would you pray with me? And we'll bring them out and we'll talk about our souls and spend a little time in prayer before taking communion together. Heavenly Father, may we be souls on fire here at Renew Bible. May we use this time to come to you because you ask us to. And Lord, may it rekindle a desire to burn for you. Amen. Well, guys, brought you out here because I wanna review some of the Psalms of this series. We've been talking about this series and how much it's impacting our church. And I thought we should just go back a little bit, review some of the Psalms we looked at in this series and take a moment as pastors and pray for our congregation, whether they're right here in this room or listening online, for anyone who might be struggling with some of those areas we've been talking about. And so we began the series with Psalm 42, Pastor John, and um, we looked at the cast down soul. You've been a hospice, you've been bedside with many people. What are your thoughts as we look at Psalm 42? What stood out to you before we pray? Um, some of the things when I was reading through this, um, the psalmist was in a time of trial and affliction. And we don't get details about it, but you know he was hungering and thirsting after God. And it's almost like, God, where are you? I'm going through this trial alone. I need you. I'm crying day and night. And then he remembers the times of fellowship that he had and times of praising God. And in verse 5, he says, he says, wait a minute, why are you cast down, my soul? Like, why are you despairing? Why are you in turmoil within me? And the word for turmoil is a murmuring. It's a, it's a rehearsing of things that are negative in this situation. Um, he's probably saying, God, where are you? I'm all alone. What's going on here? You've, you've abandoned me. But then he says to his soul, hope in God. He said, trust expectantly in Elohim, the God of all gods, the supreme God, the almighty God. Don't give up hope in him, for I shall yet again praise him. And it's almost like he says, no, we're not, we're not, we're not ending this way. <laughs> Things are bad. The situation may never change. But I have a God, I have God of a, my salvation, and I'm clinging to him, like you said, clinging to this God, and I'm going to praise him no matter what the outcome. So, Let's take a moment to pray. Let's just be still before the Lord, and if you know anybody who has a cast down soul, this is a great opportunity for you to pray for him for a few minutes, before, for a few seconds before, for John, you, you pray for anybody in our church might just feel like that, that's kind of, I, I feel cast down. Um, it's not going to end this way. Yeah. Hope in God. Let's take a moment to pray that.
Heavenly Father, I know there's people listening today that are wounded, they're weary, they're about to give up hope. Lord, would you be with them right now? Would you comfort their soul through your word, Lord? Refresh their soul, renew their spirit, Lord. Through your word and, and through song, Lord, may they praise you no matter what they're going through, Lord. Just bring them your comfort. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Well, the second psalm we looked at was... Uh, Psalm 13, the frustrated soul. There seems to be some impatience growing. Uh, Pastor Ben, you work in our children's ministry. You don't need any patience there, right? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. What were some of your thoughts as you were looking at Psalm 13, listening to the church even discuss it? Go ahead, man. Yeah, I mean, so the psalmist says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart? All the day. I mean, he's frustrated because he doesn't feel like he's getting an answer from God. He's taken the prayers to God. He's asked God for help. He's tried to change, and nothing is happening. And so the frustration, it might be at the situation, but it's probably directed at God himself. Hmm. And that is a hard place to be because it, it doesn't feel right. Like, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I try to be a good person. I'm frustrated at God. Like, that's, that's, not, that's not good. Um, and so the temptation when we feel that way, and I think, you know, a lot of us have probably been there, felt some frustration, felt some confusion about why God wasn't doing anything. The temptation is just to bury it or try, try to ignore it. But what God invites us to do is to bring it to him. Like, that's what, that's what the psalmist is doing. He's talking to God, and he's voicing his frustration to God. And when we do that, God welcomes us with open arms. He, he shows us his grace and his love in the middle of the hard feelings that we're having because he gets it. So we come into his presence, we share how we're feeling, and then he begins his work in us. I mean, that's the amazing thing is that when we're here and when we have the courage to take it to God, that's when he can really deepen our relationship with him and, and help us with those feelings. So. I'm sure there's somebody listening or sitting here that's been asking, how long, God? I've been praying this. I've been praying this. What if we just have a word of prayer? And maybe you know somebody in that spot that you could be praying. Lord, they've been waiting. They've been seeking. But bring that frustration of the wait to God. He can handle it. He knows it's there. And he's the only one who can do anything about it. So let's take a moment to pray. and the despair that is in our hearts. Um, and God, I pray for our church that as we grapple with some of these difficult emotions, uh, that you would help us to bring them to you and know that, that you stand ready to welcome us into your presence and give us grace and restore the joy to our hearts and help us to remember what's true 
Uh, God, we're so thankful that you purchased our salvation with your son and that we can come to you full of, full of anticipation of the love that you'll share with us. In your name, amen. Amen, amen. Well, Psalm 73 was the next Psalm we looked at in our series. Pastor Gabe, the bitter soul, when my soul was embittered. Um, what were some of your thoughts as you looked over that Psalm? Yeah, as, as you look through Psalm 73, uh, it kind of, in sequence of events, t- uh, trails Psalm 13's uh, harpy of frustration. And maybe you've been in that spot where you just did not understand what God was trying to do or what he was doing. And, and that caused you to feel those, those feelings of frustration. God, why are you allowing this? Maybe you turn on the news or, or you, you look at your phone, you see the things that are happening in the world, and you just don't understand. Uh, I think we're all there. We, we don't understand why God allows certain things to happen. And in this psalm, uh, the, the, the psalmist is saying, God, why are you allowing the wicked to prosper? Why are you allowing that? And in his frustration, he goes into the temple, and he, he worships. It says um, in, in verse 17, I, I felt that way until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. He started to understand uh, what God was doing once he went into God's presence, and he started to worship. And we have a God who can uh, handle all of our frustration. He can handle our doubts. He can handle our, our inability to understand what he is doing. And in those moments, we we need to, instead of burying our frustration with God, give him exactly what's going on in our hearts. And, you know, there's three directions we can go. We can go, uh, we can go away from God when we're frustrated or we don't understand. We can go against God, which is a scary place to be. Or we can allow that to push us towards God and, and allow that intimacy to grow. Uh, he's a big God. He can handle all of our questions. He can handle uh, our our inability to understand what he's doing. And um, in that, the psalmist says, when my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in the heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. I, I think if you have a toddler in the house, you understand what a beast is like, right? <laughs> and the psalmist is saying, I was ignorant. I, I didn't understand. And it, it was causing me to grow embittered towards the things that are, that are going on. But then in the next verse says, Nevertheless, I am continually with you. When he comes into the temple and he starts to worship, his perspective starts to change. And I'm sure many of you have, have experienced that when you come in on a Sunday morning and, and there's a lot going on and you worship, it starts to renew your mind. When you hear God's word, it renews your mind. And you have the opportunity then to see as God wants you to see the world and to trust him that, that he has a plan in place, even when we don't understand. And what I love is the next verse, verse 25. He says, and there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. So when we give it over to God, when we give it over to him and we're honest with him, then we start to grow in our desire towards him as well. And uh, we get to to build that intimacy in the relationship. So when we're embittered, um, we can we can renew the mind, and we can remember that that God can handle all of our frustration, and and He can renew um, our perspective. Gabe, you like to say, I've heard you say this. You like to say, we can groan or we can yeah. grumble. Tell them you about can grumble that. or groan. So uh, you know, if you look in the scriptures, there's there's two things: groaning and grumbling. Groaning is what God asks us to do. It's it's going to Him in our tent. 
or in our, our prayers, right? Anytime you see groaning going on in the scriptures, it's something that is elevated and, and God responds to. But grumbling, <laughs> grumbling is when we bring it outside the tent and we start to complain. And that's just sin. So uh, it's not sin to tell God how you feel or, or that you don't understand. Um, it's in those moments inside our prayers, inside the tent, when we're groaning to God that he, he works in our hearts. It's good stuff, man. The bitter soul. Let's pray. Let's take some time to pray because bitterness comes from wounds. And let's ask the Lord to, uh, to just for our entire church, I'm sure there's, there's folks we know or somebody here that's just struggling with that. Let's pray for a restoration in that deepest spot right now. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for hearing our groanings to you, God. And this side of eternity, we will not understand all that you're doing, but we know that you are the artist and you are working on a masterpiece. We can't see it yet, but Lord, you're chipping away at it. And uh, sometimes it's revealed to us. Sometimes it is not, but we can trust that we will understand someday. And Lord, there, there will be justice. There will be uh, victory for those who are in Christ Jesus. So would you help us to bring it to you, God? Instead of grumbling, would we come to you with our groanings, God, of our soul, of our spirit? Would that build intimacy with you? God, thank you for being such a loving father and caring about us and helping us by changing our perspective. Bring all these things in your name. John, Psalm 63, I kind of shared how much I love the psalm. What what stands out to you as you look at Psalm 63? Yeah, I think it's about, I think it's about 35 degrees outside right now. Um, But if I could take you back about six months or maybe forward six months to this summer, you remember that time of year where you have to cut your grass? Uh, Maybe that's every week for you. Uh, Maybe that's more than every week for you. Uh, But that's something that I, of course, have to do. And uh, at my house, I might have about a third of an acre or so to cut. And it takes me just about an hour to get that whole job done. Uh, But right in the peak of the summer, I'll tell you, there are times where I'm in the middle of cutting my grass and my body is telling me it's time to go inside and get some water uh, or maybe get some food. I get that sort of hypoglycemic uh, shake going on when I've pushed it a little too far in the heat. And, uh, and there are times where I don't want to stop. I, I see it as a form of weakness to go in for a pit stop. I want to just get done the yard all in one shot. Uh, but there are times where I walk in after doing that, after pushing through, being outside for an hour, and I'm just, anything that we have in the house that I can eat or drink is, is going to happen because I'm, I've kind of waited too long and my body is now sending out emergency signals to me. But our, our soul does the same thing to us. If you've ever been in a situation where your body's trying to tell you something, and you're not listening, you probably also can remember a time when your soul's trying to tell you something and you're not listening. And I love Psalm 63, especially the way it starts. David tells us that his soul 
is sending out a signal. Oh God, you are my God, he says. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Oftentimes when we feel our soul is longing for something, uh, rather than turning to God, as David demonstrates for us here in Psalm 63, we look elsewhere. We turn to addictions, uh, we turn to entertainment, maybe we turn to a relationship, looking to fulfill that longing of our soul. But what we find is that those things just don't do it. There's a, a verse in the book of Jeremiah that I think about when I think about this psalm. Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 2, verse 13, speaking for God here, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they've hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. What Jeremiah says there is that God's people are rejecting the living water, the source for real nourishment, that's God, and they've chosen to hew out for themselves in, say, the way they would do this in the ancient world. They would dig pits in the stone to store water for a town or a city so they'd have a reservoir. Jeremiah says, you've tried to dig out your own well, but it's broken and it doesn't hold any water. And how many times have I done that in my life where my soul is longing out for God, but rather than going to him as the source that can fulfill me, I go to some cistern that I've dug out myself, but when I dip my hand in there to get water, there's nothing there, nothing that can satisfy. And that's the sin that Jeremiah calls out the people of God for in Jeremiah 2, and it's what David testifies of his own experience with God in Psalm 63. His soul is longing out for God. And what David does in Psalm 63, he actually invites us all to run an experiment in our lives, What would it look like if when I feel that longing in my soul, if I allowed God to meet that need and to satisfy? It's what he invites us all to do in Psalm 63. And that's the thing that stands out to me. That's awesome. Let's take a moment to ask the Lord to point out anything that might be quenching that fire, that soul on fire from growing closer to God. Is there something you want to repent of even in this moment? Let's be praying for our church. Let's uh, take that to the Lord. in our church family, uh, whether they're in this room, whether they're watching somewhere else this morning, uh, for all those who are with us who have felt that longing of their soul, that soul within them crying out for something. Uh, God, I pray that we would humble ourselves and listen to what your word offers us in Psalm 63. That we would humble ourselves and find our nourishment with you. God, lead us into a deeper relationship with you. 
Forgive us for when we've looked to other things that don't satisfy, when we've gone to those broken, empty cisterns trying to get fulfillment. Lead us in your patience and in your love back to the source, back to you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And finally, Pastor Doug, we built this series around Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Pastor Doug, lead us in communion, but first reflect on Psalm 103. Um, what are some things that came to your mind? Our, our series anchor psalm. Psalm 103 is an amazing psalm of David. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. I coached football for a lot of years, and sometimes there's, there's lack of talent, and you understand there's lack of talent. Sometimes skills need to be taught, and that's your responsibility as a coach to teach the skills. But there's one thing that a, an athlete has to come with, and that is effort, a desire to do his very best, to sell out for the team. And when someone's willing to do that, you know that you got the right guy. He's teachable. He's coachable. Here, David says, all that is within me, every part of me, wholehearted gratitude, wholehearted commitment, not casual, not an entitlement, not thinking we should get this, all the benefits that we get are by God's grace. In Lamentations, it says his mercies are new every morning. His grace is there for us each and every day. You can't have tomorrow's benefits today. He gives them to you each day as you need them. Praise God for the benefits that we have. But the most important benefit that's mentioned is the very first one, there are 28 total benefits mentioned in Psalm 103. Steadfast love is, is mentioned three different times, the steadfast love of our God. But the very first one that's mentioned is our God who forgives our iniquities. From the very beginning, salvation is by grace through faith. From Genesis chapter 3, to Abraham, believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Now we have Jesus. And when we see these words from Psalm, written many, many years before the birth of Christ, we see he was the one who saves us from our iniquities. The day you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior from sin, and that may be today for someone out here, you had a new life. You had a new heart. You have eternal life. And we gather here on a communion Sunday morning, remembering all the benefits that God has given us by his grace. But most importantly, we are so thankful. We have a heart of gratitude for our salvation which came through the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross for us. So we're ready to partake of the bread and the cup. 
Pastor Doug, would you pray for all of us here at Renew Bible, giving thanks to God publicly for all of his benefits, and then we'll take the elements. Father, we're just so thankful for who you are and all that you have given to us. Your benefits are innumerable. We don't deserve any of it. It's all because of your grace. And the greatest benefit, the blessing that we are most thankful for is salvation. And we only have that because your son, your only begotten son, left heaven to come to earth to take my sin upon a Roman cross to be beaten to give his all for me he gave everything for me and because of that Lord I want to give everything to you I want to be dependent upon you and have gratitude for everything that you've given me. Thank you for the bread and the cup which represent Jesus giving his all, his broken body and his shed blood for us. In his name I pray, amen. Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples and he he took bread and he broke it and distributed among all of them and he said take eat this is my body as often as you eat it do it in remembrance of me Then he took the cup and he blessed it and he gave it to his disciples and he looked at it and he said this is the covenant in my blood the new covenant for you the law the old covenant came by Moses but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ and he said as often as you drink this do it in remembrance of me amen I trust this series has been an encouragement to you about oh my soul and um, we've never had such a collection of singing talent on the stage as this but um Let's just close with that short refrain, bless the Lord, O my soul. Pastor Gabe, let's all sing it together as a church. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before, O my soul. Sing like never before, Gabe. Sing like never before.
Next Sunday is a Sunday we often take for Vision Sunday. I also heard there's a football game going on next week, um, but uh, we're excited to share what God has in store for our church, as well as a few updates on the project that you're watching outside. But for now, God bless you. And every time you start a fire, you ask yourself, how is your soul? God bless everybody. Have a great day.